Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Welcome to Homestyle. Yes, all thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. I'm Jane Neild and every couple of weeks I have the absolute pleasure of, well, not so much jumping into a studio these days with Shana Blaze, but catching up from whatever location she may be in uh, town or country. And of course, Shana is an interior designer, author, TV presenter, winner of the Celebrity Apprentice 2021, which feels like so long ago, judge on the block on Channel Nine, which I've got to say is compelling viewing. A lot of other Australians feel the same way because the ratings are through the roof at the moment. Shana, welcome back to Homestyle. We'll introduce our very special guests in a moment. How's the last couple of weeks been for you, Shana? Uh, I've got to say fabulous. The spring air has just had a complete mood change. Like, you know, we're still in lockdown six. It's a bit of a novelty, not. But, you know, just the, the change in weather, the, the feeling, you know, sort of this excitement that we're, we're going to get out one day. Um, yeah, slightly uplifting. Absolutely. Look, I decided that we should check in with a couple of people who are very familiar with The Block. Season five back in 2012, Australia first fell in love with them and one of them became a very regular feature on the show, at least. We speak of none other than Dan and Danny from The Block. Of course, you guys, uh, welcome to the show. And has The Block been more catty, more personality filled and perhaps more controversial than ever this year, Dan? (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks for having us. Um, Geez, I thought I was busy, but Shana, you are busy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's right. This series, we've had nothing like this before. And in all honesty, I would have thought all-stars wouldn't get involved with the drama, but they've been the forefront of the drama, which is so surprising because you've done the block before. You know it's about the build. You don't want to get dragged into all the other stuff. So I would have expected better from these guys, but unfortunately, geez, these all-star couples, they are causing a lot of drama amongst the teams. (laughs) And isn't that funny because, as you said, they've been there before and a lot of people think that I know everything that goes on behind the block, but until it goes to air, I don't actually know any of it. I know if someone's had a bad week or something has gone wrong after we've judged, but, you know, until it goes to air, I don't know anything. And the blow-ups have just been, like, purely explosive. So it's it's shocked me for sure. And, and that's funny, Shana, because Keith and I are also the same. We don't know exactly what's happening at every minute of the day. So there was also a, a lot of things that was said and that I had no idea about. There was a lot of um, disconnection between teams. I knew there was some, but I didn't know the how bad it was until watching it just now. And, gee, some of the, the nitpicking comments to camera from some contestants, it's just it's, it's disappointing, to be honest, is probably one word I look at it. I, th- I think if we if we can take it back to to me, this is full circle because um, when Jane introduced you about being, you know, your very first um, episode and very first series on the block was mine as well, and so we were on the same series for first timers, and yeah. you know what it's like to to be on that show, to be exhausted. Um, to want to take advice, but then not want to take advice. But in the end, you know. You're there in a competition. I think that's the biggest thing that has been lost in this 
um, series is that it's a competition. You will be judged on everything that you do every week and it's essential. And if it's not completed, you are judged on that. And it's not personal and it's not nitpicking. It's actually, this is what it is. And, and I think that's sort of, I think that's been lost that it's a competition and the, the word bullying being bantered around at the moment is beyond disrespectful and it's unrealistic of what actually is happening and um, I just wanted to get that one out there. And so for your experience of being a contestant from the day one, what was your experience? Because now you're on the other side of it. You know, this was so long ago. This was nine years ago. Mm. It was so long ago. And I think, you know, with the with the judging, it is kind of that take it or leave it at your own peril, basically. And it is when you are a contestant and you are constantly being, I guess, judged week on week, you can get your back up at times, but it's it's for your benefit. You know, we have three experts there judging the rooms that we're delivering for our benefit so that we can make a cohesive home and get the best possible result come auction day. So it is it is hard, I guess, in that regard as a contestant, but seeing it these days, my gosh, I say to Dan, there's no way we could be contestants now. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I think, Shona, that's another thing. Like, yes, you take the feedback on it, and I, you do get upset at times, but... It goes back to being an all-star. The second time around, you understand that that's part of the show, so you should wear it better. Whereas I mean, with, did we? Yeah, did whereas we? I'm seeing some contestants not take any feedback at all very well mm-hmm. and being disrespectful not only to their fellow contestants and judges, but to Scott Cam. Yeah. I mean, he's just the messenger. And <laughs> what we've seen over the last week is just astronomical, so disrespectful to the show in general and disrespectful to the viewers to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, let's let's get away and talk about your um, rise because there's nothing better for me as a judge from day one is to see somebody do well as a series goes on. And we've had so many contestants just shine towards the end that really we thought didn't have a chance. Um, but then also to look at how your lives have changed from day one. And everybody goes on the block saying it is completely life-changing for so many different things. But since you were on the block, you've changed careers. Um, Danny, you're an interior designer. You're running your own design business. You're running your own construction company. Dan, you're a major player on the block. You both judge behind the scenes. How has that been going from no idea what you were doing at the beginning to now being experts yourself, running your own business, and you've got this really incredible um, dream home you're building in Blair Gary? Like, Sorry, I don't think you can cover all that. But anyway, I'll throw it to you now. <laughs> ah, thanks, Shana. Um, look, we have definitely stumbled a lot along the way, but, you know, we constantly reflect on that very first day that we arrived at the block. You know, some of our fellow contestants thought our energy was a little overwhelming. <laughs> we were just excited. But I think, you know, the opportunities that you're presented with can be interpreted in many different ways, I guess, depending on the type of person that you are. Dan and I have always been, you know, for lack of a better word, go-getters. Or we'll jump at any new experience. That's why we live such full, crazy lives. So, you know, if something is going to come our way and we'll seize that opportunity, you know, when we started our business, we we thought 
you know, ego was definitely there. We thought we knew it all, <laughs> as you do as an all-star on the block sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we identified small gaps as we went and how we could, you know, refine our offering as a business, for example, and that's developed out into what we have today. And, you know, seeing other areas that maybe we could offer something different on the block as it too evolved um, into what it is now. So it's so nice to still be a part of the block family, which was very different when we were originally contestants compared to what it is now. But still, we feel so fortunate to be still involved all this time later. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to building the home that we're building now, there's no way in hell we could have tackled a project like this, you know, 10 years ago when we were first starting out or very green rocking up to the the block and realizing there was no back on the house. Um, But yeah, it's been a wild ride and it's definitely been an extraordinary uh, 10 years of of growth and personal development for both of us, I think. I think think for me, um, our neighbor where we're building said to me, did you think you're ever going to be where you are right now? And I thought about that question. I thought, no, Mm. 10 years ago, I was just a tradesman, just working behind the hoarding, doing the day to day. And to reflect on that, it's been a crazy 10 years, like really crazy. And we've got to thank the block because that's where it all started, to be honest. It, it, I was going to leave the industry. I remember before the block, I said to Danny, I, I had enough of doing what I'm doing. I was, wasn't liking it, wasn't loving it anymore. But going on the show, I, I found that passion again. And I, I guess I found a little bit of confidence that, you know, maybe I could become something more than just a carpenter whether that be a site manager or builder or whatever it was, I wasn't sure at the time, but it gave me that confidence to stay in the industry and educate myself more. And do you know what? I've just reflected back on a conversation that I had with a certain first-time judge one day when I was walking into (laughs) Fenton and Fenton uh, after the show about, I love this industry. What do I do? What are the steps? How do I do this? Um, Obviously being you, Shana. So... (laughs) Yeah, I I completely forgot about that conversation until now. So definitely helped geared my direction into an industry that we now love and and are firmly a part of. So that's great. And I think also what you're doing at the moment, like, you know, you have clients and you're building dreams and it's sort of like Jane has been renovating her dream home in the country. I've, I've built a dream home myself and you're doing that as the moment because, you know, you've had that block of land for quite a while. You sort of, felt like it was never going to happen. Yep. How does it feel now knowing that you're actually doing it, building your dream home? And what things are you putting into your dream home that you wouldn't if you were going to just sell it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, on the feeling side of it, it still feels quite surreal, do you think? Yeah, I think every time Danny rocks the site, she says, oh, I'm starting to pitch myself living here now and she's picking nooks and crannies of the house where she's going to read a book, play with the dogs or whatever it may be. I mean, probably sit on my She's She's that ultimate client where she's dreaming, she's living that dream. Whereas me, I'm the builder, I'm still looking at the 100 tasks I've got to do to get there. Completely <laughs> <laughs> different for me. But yeah. um, I guess what, what wouldn't we, what would we change, Bill, just going to sell? That's, yeah. there's there's so many different things. I mean. I think definitely, you know, the, the area in which we're building has absolutely catapulted in terms of its 
it's just land value and and value in general on the property market. So there's that aspect to consider. And we would have de-specified um, a lot of stuff to probably a low to mid-range spec as long as we could still move the property within the market that it sits. Explain that to somebody that might be listening but not understanding like a low-grade spec. What 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 would you say that to somebody being? Yeah, so I would reconsider the non-negotiables on the project. So, you know, the baseline things that will definitely sell well or position your property as a little bit of a point of difference to the next. But, you know, we would have um, looked at a lower a lower end um, tile, for example. You know, the wall tiles that we have in there are a handmade tile out of Morocco. They're retail about $350 a square metre. So that would be the first thing that would change. There's but it's the labour on top of that. It yes. takes three times it's as long. They're tiny too, aren't they? Yeah. And because they're imperfect, it's very hard to try and get everything straight and level. Yeah. So the labour time's probably tripled. Yeah. So there's more of the budget. So that's definitely one of the things. There's plenty of tiles that would achieve a similar look. For example, we probably wouldn't have specified all of the natural products that we have. We've got lots of natural stone, lots of kind of tumbled stone, um, and all of that is labour, it's maintenance, it's, you know, and when you're selling a home, a lot of people don't want to read the word maintenance or ongoing maintenance. So there's some considerations. I, I mean, the ceilings, we had the option of just putting a plain plaster ceiling on, but because we've realised we're going to live here for a long time, we wanted to do the lining boards, pine lining boards. We knew the cost was going to be more for the products and the labour was going to be two to three times more. But yeah. it's a feature we wanted for our for ourselves. So that's another expense we did. Yeah, we've also gone more down the kind of low-tox sustainability path as well with this particular home. So, you know, we've, we've paid more money to have um, a specialised air filtration system put in. I get really bad allergies today. My head is throbbing and my eyes are so itchy because it's the middle of spring. Um, so just thinking about that and how we're going to live in this home as well and making sure that the air quality inside the home is the best that it possibly can be. So I wouldn't ordinarily put that in a home that we may be looking to move on. Um, so it's just things like that, you know, choosing a less expensive floorboard that wouldn't compromise on the overall look, but you know, is more economical, those types of, of things. And, of course, Shana, the budget's blown out, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is also, like, and, and that's happened to me, like, people think because you're professionals, you know, you're always on budget, but when it's your dream home, you, you compromise. And because you have access to so many incredible um, things, it's like, well, why wouldn't you? But I want to ask this question because my budget, my massive blowout, um, was because of COVID, and that's because of one timber um, scarcity, um, certain products that had to be air freighted that to get on time, um, certain products that you couldn't get anymore, and you had to get the more expensive option because it's just sitting there and no one else can get it. Has that been an issue for you too? Um, Fortunately, for yeah. the main build, so the structure was pretty much up before the price increase occurred. So you. <laughs> Very I, I mean, to give it to perspective to people out there, for one metre of timber, I was paying under $3. Now that's up around $7 Yeah. just for one metre of timber. So that's the price increase we're looking at. So we're very fortunate to get the frame and also all the cladding purchased and done before then. Yeah, so all of our timber stuff. I mean, where we did get hit a little bit was on appliances. So, you know, from our quote to time of purchase, there was certain, you know, time frame or time, amount of time that had lapsed in there. So I think we, we blew out a bit there. But 
really, I feel that we kind of just snuck in. Just beat it. Yeah. Where, where we are getting hurt, though, is um, the current restrictions. And, yeah. and that's been going for the last few months. Like, the numbers on site, that really hurts builders. Because we don't allow just five people on site. We want multiple trades there doing what they can do. Because we're trying to shorten the schedule. And that benefits the builder. It benefits the client because they're probably renting they're paying a mortgage on what they've loaned for the build. So we want to shorten that for them. So yeah. this numbers on sites really hurting everyone. And, and our schedule is probably blown out two months as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the time and the money has been a big thing, but I didn't, I was unlike you, I hadn't pre-purchased anything before and we all knew it was going to happen. And then it just sort of, just as we were ordering, it just went bang. And I went, I hit every worst case scenario along the way. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, I feel like my build is something to learn from um, that, you know, it's not even just a pandemic or a lockdown. It's just like, when you get to a situation, when do you learn to stop? Or yeah. when do you know when to stop? And I felt like I couldn't stop because I had a timeline I was working to. Um, but in really, in reality, I, I probably could have stopped my build for 12 months just to sort of like almost resuscitate my bank balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a really valid thing, you know, and as a business or a construction business as well, it's forced us to kind of reassess how we actually do our contracts with our clients. Mm. You know, we're having to outlay an order you know, probably 70% of what's going to go into the home really, really early on in the build. So that means that we have to restructure that to accommodate um, yeah. the fact that there might be a 16-week lead time on a general tile that would normally be in stock. So mm -hmm. we're seeing that definitely now affect our, our projects, but I think we just snuck through, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is something for people listening to this to understand with a builder that you're working through, but also if you want to DIY it yourself. And I know, Jane, you went through that yourself with some tiles. And um, it, it is a case of, like, it's a different landscape in the building industry at the moment. The timelines aren't there what we we are used to. The, the pricing isn't there and the availability. And so, you know, a lot of people to get into the, um, the market at the moment have to buy a, a house that really needs to be renovated. And um, there's going to be a lot of things that um, people have to consider um, financially before they start renovating. Yeah. It's, it's what's interesting is when we get clients coming to us now and they think that they'll, they'll be able to get plans through and a build through within a year. And we're simply like, there's just no way that's even possible in this landscape. I mean, no. availability for trades and builders alone it's, it's, I've never seen the industry like this. I've never yeah. seen it boom as much as it is booming right now. Yeah. And then put the pandemic where we've got material shortages and supply issues. It's just the perfect storm at the moment. But it kind of starts with the planning. You know, if we've got a project that needs to go to town planning, <laughs> councils are at capacity and beyond. So it's kind of like you know, something that would have ordinarily flown through because it complies with all the standard things that it needs to. There's no red flags. You know, there's no objections from neighbours. Perhaps on that initial response from council, they'll pick out something they wouldn't ordinarily, maybe just to buy themselves a little more time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that planning component of the project, we're having to add or almost double the time associated with that. 
You are mm. listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze and our guests are Dan Riley and Danny Wales. And, of course, we are doing it thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. Uh, Danny and Dan, I love the fact that your house, your dream home, has its own Instagram account at Blair Gowry House underscore. Can you actually describe the design aesthetic, Danny? I've been looking at those Insta photos, but, you know, I know when Shana's judging something on the block, it's like it's it's modern Hampton something. Can you sort of give us a feeling for people who are listening that haven't uh, checked out the Insta yet? Yeah, so we are pretty much onto our third design iteration for the home. Um, we started off with, you know, these amazing grand plans and budget just did not align. So we had to, um, I guess, redo certain things throughout the process. So I think early last year, we couldn't, the existing design that we had, it was kind of becoming a watered down version of what we ultimately wanted. So we scrapped it and thought, great, we've got a great design that we can apply to another site in the future. Let's start from scratch. So we did that. We wanted to take a little bit more of a kind of 70s um, approach in the physical structure. So keeping more of that kind of flat roof box style um, structure, but we wanted to also lean on the actual landscape and take inspiration from there too. So we're set on the back beach in Blairgowrie, which is really rugged coastline, lots of beautiful tea trees. So leaning on those more organic shapes and tones as well. That kind of was the inspiration from the interior palette and also just choosing materials that were super tactile as well. I love walking into a room and I'm just hit with texture. So I wanted to, to bring that into the build. And I guess, you know, when you're building your own or your dream home, it's been really challenging for me because I'm so indecisive when it comes to myself. I can make a decision for a client in half a second, but when it comes to your own project, it's always a little bit of back and forth and you start to, I don't know, it's not self-doubt, I don't think is the right word, but you're always looking for something better or how can I do this better or what can we add here to, you know, in live make this space even better than what it what it was before. So I think I've been the worst client in that regard. But you know, for the I can confirm that. <laughs> but for the interior of the home, we've got kind of a lot of um, warm, warm grey tones, a lot of neutral tones throughout, and just relying heavily on the texture and the tactility of the different materials that we've got in there. And then we're having a bit more fun with our um, soft furnishings and the things that we can kind of change as we, as our, I guess, personal taste and lives evolve. Interesting that you've gone for that 70s flat roof because that works really well for the strong winds, but it's also one of those ones, like a 70s house is one of my favourite things to renovate because it's very cost-effective, very easy to move walls or put up walls. Was it more cost-effective as a build, Dan? Oh, 100%, yeah, definitely flat roofs. And, I mean, the original design, we had three pitched roofs which was three separate structures that just would have cost a fortune. So the flat roof we got, it's quick and easy to lay. I mean, the trusses are nowhere near as as much as what they would be if they'll pitch. So yeah. you definitely make a big saving there. And it allows you to put services up on the roof that you don't see. So half of their house is all full of um, solar panels, something no one's ever going to know, but it's a benefit to us. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I've got pitched roofs everywhere on here because mine's a Victorian and um, so there's a, there's a lot of, you know, money poured in that no one will ever see or know. So, yes. yeah, I, t I totally get why you went um, for that change for that. But also it, it works better for um, the environment that you're in. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the original design was three separate, uh, three separate pavilions that all had um, pitched roofs. So there was, and there was also a lot of undulation in the exterior form. So we simplified it greatly by, I mean, the the design now is essentially a H. Would you say? Um, kind of a H, yeah. Yeah. So you know, with a central connect uh, connection and staircase, and then separating off the the bedrooms or the the sleeping quarters on one side and the living on the other side. So we've been able to really simplify the design. We've added kind of, um, I guess, pockets on the outside to create some undulation in the form, but keeping it really simple and straightforward at the same time. I guess one thing we did too with the roof that no one will ever know or see is we deleted some box gutters that we would have had to have in the design because box gutters cost money. There's a lot more component, especially with the plumbing. So in certain spots, we've just got some guttering. Um, you don't really see it, but it's saving us money. Yeah. So different pictures and things like that can save you money. You just got to be smart or ask your builder or designer about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you... Sorry, Shana. Sorry. Such a gorgeous little puppies just poking yeah. their heads they're here. I'm they're, keeping them at bay. They're very What have you done to make it um, pet friendly? <laughs> uh, so, yes, we have floorboards throughout because our dogs shed hair like you would not believe. Um, so carpet's kind of not really an option for us. We've got a doggy door in uh, a kind of discreet area. Our walk-in pantry, there's a, a full height window that we've got a little doggy door in. Um, basically all wildlife will be eradicated within <laughs> probably minutes of the dogs moving in because they just, yeah, they're not great with wildlife. What else have we done? I think we're still going to get baby gates. Baby gates everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> For dogs, not babies, go yeah. figure. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, our dogs are part of our lives. They, they sleep sometimes in bed with us they're in the couch so you know when we've gone to for example we're, we're doing a custom sofa in our sunken lounge so we've really had to think about hypoallergenic fabrics that are going to wear well for the dogs that are going to also be super durable um, and easy to clean so those types of considerations when it comes to our soft furnishings because we can say all we like that Oh, the dogs aren't going to be in that room, but let's face it, they'll be in that room. So we've had to just make considerations like this, like that. You know, our dogs get really excited when people come to the front door. So we've had to think about the material of our front door and make it so that, you know, they're not going to scratch and it'll, you know, end up ruining things. But yeah. <laughs> but and that's the thing, a lot of people, like what you said, you know, we could lie to ourselves that that's not going to happen. But in reality, like, People want to think that their house is going to be a certain thing and thinking their lifestyle will change once they get in there, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Little guest appearance. <laughs> now, we've got two of the uh, biggest personalities on Channel 9 with us, of course, Shana Blaze and Dan from The Block. But we can give a little plug to your show, Danny, as well. Healthy Homes Australia on Channel 10. It's all one big yeah. TV family here. Um, has it been awesome to be able to actually go off and do your own thing? Thing and not just be watching Dan on the block. It sounds like it's uh, a lot of fun. And I did see one little promo for an episode where you went and checked out a house and did some help with a 130-year-old home that the family had been in for years. So that must be pretty daunting. Yeah. I mean, that particular episode, this 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 uh, family had been in that home um, for forever. It had been passed down through the line. It was a beautiful, ex you know, existing period home up on the top of a, a ridge that had the most incredible view. But yeah, it is a lot of fun to do the home. It can be a little bit daunting. I think more for our homeowners, we tend to just crash um, their homes, our crew piles in and we definitely do take over. But 
it's a lot of fun and they get to experience what a show like this is all about and how it's actually made. So that's the main talking point on the day. I think our homeowners are always very surprised at what goes into producing and, and filming and making a show like that. But it's definitely a lot of fun. I think, you know, my co-host and I were friends before I started on that show. We met in a dog park. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why, you know, we have such good chemistry together because we're actually such great friends. So it's a lot of fun to shoot and it's um it's it's fairly low impact on the rest of our lives. I mean, unlike the block, it takes Dan away for a good three months of the year. Um, but for me, it's generally just once a week. So I can slot it right into my schedule. That's sort of like me and the block. It's only one day a week. So yeah. uh, it's perfectly slotted. Although yeah. I do miss out on Easter and Mother's Day every year. Yeah. It's a for being on one of the most successful shows in exactly. Australia. Yeah, exactly. The most question I get asked is, is the block as hard as what people like, what it looks like? And until you actually see the block or be involved with it, you're never going to get an understanding of how physically and mentally hard it is. And, you know, Keith and I, we're not on the tools or anything like that, but it's a 12 hour day, six days a week, yes. constantly on your feet, walking, um, doing your job. It's, it's quite, it's hard. It really is. And you're away from your family, away from your friends. And like you said, Shane, you miss out on life pretty much for three months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think also Danny was saying the block family is so important. And that's the reason why it's so successful is because it is a family and everybody is away from their immediate family and they have to, you have to bond and you have to connect. And if you're not sort of in sync with that, you're not going to have a fantastic time. But as hard as it is behind the scenes, I just laugh my head off. And I know you guys do too. <laughs> we do, 100%. And I think we were so fortunate to be a part of the series when we were. Um, it's definitely, I think, a different a different experience now but you know whenever people ask us oh what's the most important thing or what what's your advice it's always just to try to enjoy the process it is so hard and whenever you're stressed or under pressure instinct for a lot of people is definitely just to get a, a wall up or you might be triggered or react in a certain way and it's very easy to say this in hindsight but you have to try to enjoy the ride. It's one of the most incredible things that you'll ever do and ever be a part of. And there'll be tens of thousands of people out there that would give anything to be in that position. So you have to remember, you know, how lucky you are and how fortunate you are to be a part of something like this. Because, you know, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people apply. And I think one thing that people come up to me all the time saying, oh, I really want to be in the block. And I go, do you want to put yourself through that? <laughs> but then also, you know, they get so many great benefits towards the end. So as you said, should enjoy it. There will be another block, you know, auditioning very soon um, for next year, which is exciting. What tips would you give to people that want to audition? Because I know some people get in the first time, some get in the fourth time. Um, what were the things that you went ahead to get onto the block for your audition? We get asked this so many times as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it probably was so different from when we applied, but everyone on our first series that applied, applied at the very last minute and got on. What? <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I think lucky how um, person who looks after the casting won't want, want me to be saying that, obviously, no. because they want, they want them all in early. But I guess you just got to be yourself on camera um, when you do your application. 
but also you've only got 30 seconds to really capture um, the people that are looking at it. Yeah. Because if you're not doing something different or, or being something outrageous, I don't know, not even outrageous, something, you just got to catch her eye, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, do you even think you have 30 seconds? I feel like if you don't catch someone's attention within 15 seconds, then you're probably not going to be able to capture Australia's att attention either once you're on the show. And, I mean, your intro for us was very um, was very lovely. I'm not sure Australia really loved us that much <laughs> on, our, <laughs> on our first series. We were very thoughtful, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were both very young and naive. Um, but yeah, I think definitely be yourself, try to capture their attention, do something a little bit left of field, show them what you're about, show them what you're capable of, and just ultimately be yourself, you know. Because and have fun on the video. I think yeah. if, if you can show you're having fun, yeah, um, that's something they're going to look at because we want yeah. people who are fun on the show as well. And I mean, our audition video, we started the tape as if we were auditioning for that other show, The Renovators, which was on at the time. So we pretended that we were applying for that. <laughs> and then Dan's sister, who was filming it, was like, guys, aren't you applying for the block? And so we just had fun with it at the start and then right. got a little bit more serious throughout and ticked off all the things that we needed to, to answer in that. But, yeah, just have fun. I think and the hardest thing is getting your application in, getting yeah. that video is probably the hardest thing you'll do. And I'll, I hated hearing the sound of my voice and watching it over and redoing <laughs> things. That's the hardest thing. Doesn't get any easier. I'm going to tell 15 years, I just hear my voice and go, ah. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Homestyle, thanks to Red Energy. We could talk to you all day. I think perhaps we might need to get them back on, Shana. Um, and will you be in the new dream home for Christmas or not? Oh, my God. Well, Fingers we, crossed. Um, well, I think the um, the original plan was would be in by now, uh, the original <laughs> schedule, um, which should be in early December. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we can get you back on when uh, the Blair Gowrie underscore Instagram is uh, it fully fledged. The styling's done. Everything is finished. I'm following along and it's really wonderful to be able to catch up with you, Dan. Good luck with the rest of the season of The Block. Hang in there. It's a tough one. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just hanging on. <laughs> and I just want to say a quick congratulations for Dan and Danny for their career since they started. It's amazing. It's been so beautiful to watch. Oh, Appreciate that, Shana. You, Shana. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Hello, it's Stavros from O'Brien Real Estate. Want to know what's happening in real estate? Join me on Under the Hammer. Market trends, boom suburbs, and what to do if you're buying or selling. We've got it all on Under the Hammer. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.